0: Welcome back. My name is Mike, and this is part two of episode six. If you've just finished part one, congrats, you're in the right place. If you haven't, there's a lot of good stuff you're probably missing. If you want the whole story, you'll need to jump back one release and listen to that. But if you're all set and good to go, then you got this. So without further ado, please enjoy episode six, part two with Peter Marshall. You mentioned that there was a lot of uh, imagination on display. Can you walk me through uh, some of that and, and describe um, moving around the space, what that looked like? You mean moving around the office? Just what you saw uh, right, through that right. interview. You mentioned that there was some really uh, amazing creative uh, on display. and I'm just curious about like when you walked in, what, was, what were the things that you were seeing that really spoke to you that you connected with?
1: Well, let me try and describe Forec to you then. Uh, we'll just sort of jump in. And so it's been around for 40 years. It's in a, a big office, uh, warehouse office in Liberty Village, um, beautiful office. We've worked in 20 countries. There's 140 people plus there who speak like 30 languages. Uh, it's totally multicultural and diverse uh, a place to to. To work, and then the office itself is split into six separate studios. So there's a creative studio, architecture studio, landscape architecture studio, interior design, um, media and a tra- uh, media studio, and, a- and uh, graphic design. I think that goes up. Is that six? Do they leave anybody out? And it's pretty close to it's six. It's pretty close. It's close enough to six. And across five sectors. So. Attractions, resorts, water parks, uh, theme parks, and mixed-use uh, retail. So we do all kinds of stuff all over the world. And so when you walk in, the first thing that kind of hits you in the head is like, wow, there's Universal Studios. Wow, there's Lego. Oh, there's Six Flags. So it's like the big, big name brands. But then you're like, whoa, there's a master plan for a whole city in Korea South Korea like wow mm. that's amazing and it's got canals and it's built on an island and you know there's there's there oh there's a new museum and you know there's a water park on top of a mountain and there's a resort on an island in you know Singapore and aviary and you just cannot believe the breadth and scope of the projects
0: i'm I'm really hearing how you've stepped into this world of people that design worlds in a lot of ways and you've got all these disciplines coming together that are required to create these like themed world experiences for people
1: yeah that's the the truly amazing part of the uh, uh, when i first walked in was to 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 think that there were people who had like 30 years experience designing what seems like a fantasy world and it's not just the one time, it's, you know, 20 times and these are leading, you know, professionals in in, in, in the world of designing these various components all working together in their different fields and coming together in this bringing something different to bear from each of their different
0: disciplines. It's amazing. Hmm. And as someone like, say, um, you've joined Forex, you've started work, you've not necessarily got the experience in this new world that you've stepped into. What was it like making the transition from video games and architecture into themed experiences? Can you walk me through some of the early challenges of um, joining this new industry?
1: Yeah, I wasn't really sure how to contribute
0: at first
1: i wasn't sure what was the right way to assist i hadn't been Mm -hmm. to that many theme parks i you know i didn't understand all the different ride vehicles the the master planning was a challenge for me so i jumped right into assisting with presentations that was how i first found my way so i could help um Choose reference images. I could help research. I started sketching a lot more than I ever had before. I could help write narratives. I love writing and was shocked to find out that that was a part of the job. And it turns out there's a a lot of different ways to contribute. And I just kind of had underestimated the importance of um, a story in mm. in the design of theme parks i i like why is everything themed like why does everything have to have a theme it's not the theme it's the it's the story because people are being immersed in lands and places you have to make a place it's not a thing it's a place and i kind of underestimated that
0: Mm. And this might be a really interesting question to ask, just based on what you've just said. Um, for those that are listening that don't quite understand, what is the difference between a theme park experience and an amusement park experience? Right. Um,
1: well, going back to, you know, the fall fair with the round rides in it and the and the roller coasters and the thrill rides, um, basically the they're just rides with names on them. You know, it's the tarantula or something, you know, and it's basically, it's black and it's red and you get on it and there's a spider painted on the ride vehicle, the, the chair you're sitting in. And that's that, and it's thrilling and it's a primarily a physical experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a, a theme park is a, a much more immersive land that you enter and, you know, you're, you're going into a building or you're, you're, you know, going to a place and there's a story and what happens on the ride is one part of the story that is manifested before you get on the ride and, and after you get on the ride. And so that, that's when a ride becomes an attraction. It becomes, mm-hmm. a, becomes a, a whole themed narrative.
0: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that um, stories were so important and you started to learn about why stories were so important. And being someone that started off with a presentation uh, experience, um, how did you start to weave through stories in that part of the job?
1: Well, you're looking for uh, authenticity in 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 your experience and you're in a often in different lands and you know in different countries and so you have to do a lot of research to to dig into where you are and and build up the guest experience based on the story the the story the story generates a big idea uh, and and that's kind of your your next step in in trying to get the client to buy into into, into the idea, the big idea. And it's what holds everything together. Uh, if you have two or three different rides in a land, what is the big idea that's going to bring them all together into one place?
0: Out of curiosity... Um I was hoping you might be able to describe a little bit about like how you work and how your team works. And I'm particularly particularly interested in the people behind the scenes that make up your team. Can you tell us a little bit about them and what they do and how you all work together?
1: Yeah, for sure. So we talked about the the six different studios. Within my studio, we have, um, you know, the head of our studio, Anna, and we have the the assistant head, Nathan, he's more of the sort of a technical side of things as well, a creative, technical guy. And then we've got illustrators and, you know, concept artists and storyboard artists and 3D modelers and and storytellers and, and writers. And that's just within the creative department. So, I mean, I just love my team and, and I, I love working, getting the team going. So you, you put a team together and you're, you, you're going to have people from all the different studios working together and you really want to get them going right at the beginning of the project being involved together in the creative process so they're not just we're not coming up with creative and then handing it on someone's desk and they're making a 3d model and then the we're taking some camera shots of the 3d model and then we're putting it on the illustrator's desk to you know paint we want everybody working together, and some back and forth. So you sketch on top of the model, and then the architect's like, "Well, what if we, you know, this different?" And, oh, and we come back, and okay, and let's get the camera right in there. What's it feel like? And what's the story we're trying to tell? And always trying to, you know, build up that experience and make sure that it's integrated in in, in an immersive way that that keeps continuity throughout, from the exterior to the interior to the load platform
0: to the exit, all working together. Mm. And um, where do you start when you've um, got the task to perhaps design a new theme park attraction? Like where is the the best place to begin and get that kind of sequence of creativity all happening?
1: Well, if we're talking about putting together maybe a, a concept design package, we're, we're talking... so. That's right at the beginning of, of concept. So that's where I like to be. I like to be at the beginning of the genesis. So it's a it's a blank sheet of paper. Nobody knows what it is. What's it going to be? We don't know. So you've got brainstorming. You get the team together. You know, you get a whole bunch of people f- that aren't even going to be working on the project. Young people, older people experienced and experienced, and you brainstorm. You know, what conceivably could, could this be? And from that, maybe people are tasked with going and doing some additional research to try and find precedents. You know, you're digging into local myths and legends and lore to try and make a story that, you know, has enough depth and, 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 and meat to it. You're building up a narrative. Um, you've got some sketches of what those places might be like if they were influenced by that, you know, theme. You know, is it a big tall mountain that you climb up? Is it a low valley that you're, you know, sweeping through? And, you know, is there a pirate ship? Or like, what's the story? Did somebody crash? Did, you know, you really wanna know What is it, is it a mining town? Is it a, you know, is it a, is it a research facility? They they going to launch mm. a rocket? Like, what's, what's the story? And you're digging in, you got storyboards, and then eventually you're working up to creating some key concept art and, and you know, concept illustrations. And then you're coming up with three eventually that starts to maybe take space typically three big ideas. You know, one of them is maybe a bit of a straw man, it's like, well, this one's kind of crazy and you know, that one's probably not gonna make it. And these two other ones have really, really strong components to them. And then you jump into client workshops so that you can start to get the client feedback on what they want to have happen. And if there's a, a brand involved, now you got two you know, team of three working together and then it turns into one big idea that you then hmm. bear down on and, and 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 present to to the to the client
0: It sounds like it's really a process of like going wide and consuming a lot of information and research and discovery and just continually like shaping it down to like those three big ideas that people can probably hold. But then even from there, like a process of eliminating it down to just one that you can all like pull your attention behind. Is is that a fair description of how it kind of like loosely works from a, a high level?
1: Yeah, the the brainstorming process would be wide and then you come together and then you separate and go wide and come together again. And you come again and again and again, go wide, come back in, and you see what resonates and sticks. Um, And then eventually that sort of gels into an idea that everybody can get behind that's going to have the strength to survive
0: what's to come. (laughs) Mm, I'm really getting a a picture of um, almost like chiseling chiseling away at an imaginary idea until you finally are only left with the the concept of that idea that really strong vision of of what that looks like
1: yeah and you know that's also accurate in that uh, day one you're waiting out in front of the you know whiteboard with a chisel and air
0: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, what are you doing, Pete? I don't know. Can somebody else take the marker?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, You mentioned that you do client workshops. Uh, I'm curious how you decide together as a team with your clients what concepts to pursue and what not to. Is there like a criteria? Is there some kind of – is there a formal process or is it very much more like story and narrative driven, driven? How does that actually look for you?
1: Well that's another thing that I had underestimated when I first started which was the size of the client team and how deeply invested they are in the process and how much work they typically have done without us and before us mm-hmm. and will do after us and we are a consultant who's you know mean brought on to to assist um, with this part of the project so they are deeply invested and have very strong opinions about what they think will and won't work in their particular market, where they have done feasibility studies, they have tested out many different scenarios already, and uh, they have superiors to answer to as well. We're talking about like, investors, we're talking huge sums of money. So there's a, a back and forth there um, where you are you know feeding it into, into their structure. And then, you know, feedback filters back down through uh, what are typically pretty hierarchical uh, uh, companies. So, yeah, it's a lot of give and take and, and, and back and forth um, with, you know, it's, it's not just us. You know, it's not just one person on our team. It's 20. And it's not just our team. It's their team. And it's potentially another team as well. So, it's a mm-hmm. really, really collaborative
0: process. Hmm. And what's it like merging, because it it does sound like a merger in my mind, the way you're describing it between your team and all the different disciplines that are involved, but then also you're merging it with potentially like another company and their teams and coming together to create these experiences would require a lot of collaboration and communication, give uh, like trade-offs, as you've kind of mentioned. What's it like when you've got a a company, a new company that you're working with to kind of connect and start to work together.
1: Yeah, that's where the, I mean, we've worked with a lot of companies in the past and already built those relationships. But when you do start off building that relationship, you have to dig in. You just have to research and you have to commit and you have to put your heart into it to the point where you're coming up with um, thoughts and and ideas that, that they haven't. Because, you know, even though they're committed to their project, they don't have the experience and, and, the, and the strategy to dig deep in a, in a certain way and come up with a creative take and an idea that they've kind of batted around already. And that's where the experience of the, of the team comes in. Um, it's just that, you know, we, we do this a lot, so we get kind of good at it.
0: Mm. And what's it like when you present an idea to a client that they'd not considered and they see it from uh, that concept that you've, you've put forward? Like, what's that like when they actually get what you're trying to create?
1: It's amazing. Um, you know, sometimes it's lost in translation. Uh, sometimes they need to sit on it and get back to us. But sometimes they clap. And the, it very, you know, that was something that happened actually quite recently where, and I'm like, and then you come around the back and you're... <laughs> You're in this new thing that's, oh, yeah. And they're like, yay. Oh, I'm wow. Like, I'm like, okay, somebody, <laughs> just somebody, did, I'm done. I quit. I quit. This is never. <laughs> it's not n-
0: going to peak above this. <laughs> this
1: is, <it's laughs> just, somebody's like, that's never going to happen again, Peter.
0: <laughs> mm. can, you, can you tell me a little bit more about what that was like? Like, I know you, you've got NDAs and things like that, but can you kind of create the color in the context for that story?
1: Okay. It, it's a, we're talking about a film. Property, uh, a, a film that you would know, and there's a story, and we need to dig into that story, and we need to, we need to live it, we need to, we need to know it, we need to know it like the writers knew it, but we also have to then translate it into how could that be an attraction, and it's never going to be a direct correlation. There's going to be something new that has to happen, that has to live in that world take cues from it and build on storylines within it so it's it's that kind of knowledge of a brand that you have to have and of a story where you could carry it forward or you can imagine a subplot or a you know it this happened in between these two events in the film like you gotta know it and when you communicate with a brand who for whom you know the IP is everything. They have worked so hard to develop this brand and have it be marketable and have it be comprehensible and they've films and sequels of films. If you can go and pitch and present to them and show them the deeper knowledge that you have and how you've been able to translate it into this
0: aha moment, the I mean, that's that's a really exciting moment. Mm, it really sounds like you are deepening the narrative in ways that they had not considered.
1: Yeah, they—they they were like, "This is a challenge, and you know, how are you going
0: to meet that challenge?" fantastic and that maybe is a perfect kind of segue uh statement uh because i'm really curious about after the presentation after you've got buy-in you've had that moment where they've just they've applauded you what are the stages of theme park experience design that happen next
1: okay okay the do you mean like the actual architectural stages
0: yeah, well, say, uh, for example, with films, um, you've got pre-production, production, and post-production. Is there something similar for theme park experience design where it's broken down into these, like, building blocks of, like, yeah, yeah. work that's kind of structured together? Absolutely.
1: We take cues from the architectural profession. So we have concept design followed by schematic design, then design development and construction drawings, and then onto construction admin. So it's just a, you know, concept design is like napkin sketch. Schematic design is, you know, okay, bubbles, and they're starting to have a volume. Uh, and and they're linking together in this way, and I can imagine circulation working like that. You know, that's kind of a concept, and then into schematic is a CAD plan, and, you know, I can see the lines as they relate, and, okay, we got different volumes, and then design development is like, okay, now, you know, are we starting mm-hmm. to talk about, like, hvac systems and security systems and how does he actually ride egress and egress and fire exits and you know where's the fire truck coming in through the gate and really getting into the to the weeds on that and then construction drawings are like you can build from these Uh, Mm. so we take projects from beginning to end um typically when you're working overseas you need to have a partner who knows the ins and outs and can handle the construction uh, drawing process and the construction admin process uh, within? Because they need you need you need people on the ground and you need people who understand the codes of the different countries and can work with the construction teams there. So that that's that's the nuts and bolts. And it it I got to tell you, it is insane when you look at uh, the construction drawings for. Uh, a billion-dollar theme park. It's you're like, oh, look, there's you know, SpongeBob. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, wow. It, it sounds like there's a lot of complexity, both from a technical perspective, but then also from um, you working across different countries. They've got different safety regulations, I imagine. They also have different terms for things, uh, I bet. There's like different electricity hertz ratings. There's all sorts of complexities there. And then you've got the human factor as well. And I'm curious how you go about synchronizing all the people and the disciplines to have it all come together because what you're describing is like an immensely complicated sequence of things that need to come together in perfect unison to create this end experience, this end uh, park that people can actually step inside of where ultimately you are designing for those memories that, they, that you want them to create. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about the process and the people and, and what that's like, uh, as a creative director in your situation.
1: I'm, um, when I, when I'm working on a smaller project, I'm a, a creative director and a project manager for a smaller project. And that would involve staffing and schedules and trying to stay on budget and, you know, communicating with the client about deliverables and, you know, trying to meet those goals. Um, so I do wear that hat a little bit, um, but that's like, you know, putting, when I look at the project managers who handle the big projects at our office, that's like maybe getting punched in the face by Mike Tyson. These, <laughs> these guys are, and the women and men who work in our, our, our project management team for these big projects are unbelievable. Uh, the amount of information that's you know, passing through different hands. We're currently working in a in a BIM environment, so a building information management uh, modeling software. i do not sure if you've heard of that before, but it's uh, people might have heard of Revit before. Basically, it's um, a shared 3D model uh, across all of the different. Um, Parties and you know because the engineering and HVAC and construction and all the different teams and consultants and subconsultants share a single model, uh, which is incredibly complicated. But the the next generation of coordination, whereby you know the. You can turn the pipes on, and the pipes are there. You can turn on the HVAC, and the vents are there. You can turn on the fire circulation, and it's there. You can turn on the theming, and um, you know all the facades show up. And you can turn on the base building, and so the base building walls are there, and the foundations. And you can, you can understand the project, and from all the different teams linking it together, and you know, is it going to fit? Is it going to, you know, how much is it going to cost? What do we need to do first? We can't have that pipe going there unbelievably complicated and it requires coordination between teams. Uh, we mm-hmm. had you know uh, 15 people from uh, one of our lead clients uh, visiting our office for a week last week and they just sat in a room with you know 10 people from their team, 10 people from ours and just went
0: through everything. I, I can really hear how being aligned and having alignment across different people is so important to the process.
1: Yeah, you got to build up trust and relationship and partnerships and because it's it, it, you really got to you got to carry
0: your weight in that kind of a situation. Mm. And how important is like that story or vision to what you're trying to create to that whole process?
1: The the vision needs to be before when I said, you know, and, and your big idea better be strong enough to to withstand what's to come. That's Mm. what's to come. You see where concept is on that list, you know, and after that comes the nuts and bolts of the actual design and, you know, the practicalities of of moving through and building a space and the budget and the, you know, the value engineering and, and construction constraints. Can your idea, you know, it has to be able to survive that. It has to still exists at
0: the end. Otherwise you've, you've got nothing. Yeah. I'm really hearing how, um, your story and your vision needs to cope with the kind of suffering of the practicalities involved in all of this stuff needing to come together and for it to be so strong in people's minds that they know what they're trying to create and why.
1: It has to be inspiring because we're all in it together and, and, we all share the same passion for that guest, you know, walking into that space and just being, wow, look at this. It's incredible. And that's what that's what drives everyone on the team, right down to, you know, the construction team. Everyone is just incredibly passionate about bringing the dream to life. And so, mm. you know, a big part of the concept is getting people excited.
0: Mm. Speaking of getting people excited, I'm really curious if you can take us through the different types of rides and those systems that you spoke about before. Because that's the thing that I can imagine people, when they go there, there's the story and there's the immersive environment. But then those there's those rides that you go on that take that to a whole other level for you.
1: Right. So it took me a while to to figure these out naturally because it's actually pretty – pretty deep um, when you dig into it because there's the ride types and then there's the different ride manufacturers uh, and and trying to understand what the right ride type is for the right attraction you're trying to make and what's the right ma- manufacturer because we have different relationships with all of them so there are classic rides which are often called round rides they'd be like a carousel or a you know an arrow wheel or um all manner of different, of the Gravitron, all those spinning rides that you might see. Um, then there are drop towers, which are uh, kind of like a, 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 a central spire, and you, you drop down in a variety of different ways. Then there's the whole world of roller coasters. There are launch coasters, there's wooden coasters, there's traditional coasters, there's tilt coasters, There's all kinds of different um, suspended coasters where you're actually suspended suspended from an arm and the arm can rotate. Uh, Then there are are dark rides, like we talked about, tracked and trackless dark rides. Um, All that stuff that happens in the dark boxes, the kind of set pieces. And then there are motion simulators, which is be a platform that's on jacks that um, moves in time to motion of the film so if, if you wanted to give the sensation of acceleration, you tilt backwards, and it feels like you're being pushed back in your seat. But if you perfectly orchestrate the film to match that, then it does feel like you're accelerating. Mm. And then there are water parks and all of the crazy uh, uh, rides associated with, with water parks. Fun fact, the two biggest water park Ride manufacturers in the world, one, two by a country mile, are both in Canada, one in Vancouver and one in Ottawa. Why? Fantastic. Why? Why is that? Um, we have winter half the time, and it has to do with the um, fiberglass industry. Most water park rides are made of fiberglass. Then moving on to the final one, which is kind of snow parks. You know, what happens at a snow park, and there's a whole bunch of rides associated with that. So, you know, James, our head of attractions, has... Taken uh,
0: care to try and get me up to speed over the years. Hmm. And how have you been involved in designing new ride systems at Forec in the past?
1: So when you're working with um, a ride manufacturer, um, they have – cost is uh, a major component. How much money do you have to spend on your ride? Because there's so much R&D and testing that goes into the creation of a new ride. So, there are off-the-shelf rides, and then there are of, di- of different scales that you could then modify, you know, oh, I, you know, I only, I want it to be this long, okay, well, then it can only be this tall because, you know, it, it's going to take too long to run off the speed and, okay, we're going to go underground in this area. And so, you can work with them on 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 those components. There's also, you know, and then you're working with a a dark ride manufacturer, and it's like, okay, um, we need this many people moving through the ride. Okay, you need this many ride vehicles. Um, The spacing might be like this. Uh, You probably want uh, one that can hold eight people. Oh, you've got a film experience in there. Why don't you pick the model that costs more? But it actually has a motion platform on top of it. So that you can simulate movement throughout the ride, and so you're working with them on specifications and, and, and throughput, which is the number of people that can move through the ride, which is per hour, which is the the crucial number. And just sort of working with them on theming opportunities can can what can we do to the ride vehicle? You know, what is the spacing around it required? You know, what's the safety envelope? Uh, all the, all those kinds of you know, it was, that was one of my, I love those conversations. It's like, okay, tell me about the right vehicle. What can I theme? What can I theme? Can I change the color of that foam? And you know, should we do that before installation or after installation? Cause they're just like, they're bridge builders. These are, these are like aerospace guys. It's
0: amazing. And, um, out of that, what is it actually like, uh, to collaborate with uh, ride manufacturer, where you can start to discover what is and what not is not possible. Like I imagine, that's where you really start to get lit and, get lit up and really start to come into a sense of play because you can see the possibilities for theming and how it's connected to the stories and how it all kind of comes together to support your vision.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like a six million dollar ride. You know, like, are you kidding me? This is amazing. So. Uh, to get to talk to someone who, who's, you know, worked on designing and engineering that and, and has the experience to understand, you know, how a ride might be supported with their technology. And, you know, then the big guys, you know, are looking for ways, you're always looking for a way to, to plus up an experience. And, and that's, mm. that's true for us. Um, how do you take uh, one technology and combine it with another technology. Typically a client would would say I want a, a brand new technology that no one's ever seen before, but it has to be tried, tested, and true. So then like, well, well, <laughs> the two kind of go in contrast. I don't, I don't understand. Um, w- what you try and do then is you try and layer uh, experiences together to find a way to make a unique experience uh, using two types of technology uh, at the same time. Uh, mm. Imagining that on the 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 ultimate scale uh would be um can we take your 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 new coaster that you've designed this is something i've been thinking about right now there's a new coaster where the the engine is on board with the ride vehicle i'm like oh okay that's that's totally cool so it's not powered by gravity it's not powered by like a big elastic band like the launch coaster ones are, you know, something in the ground that shoots you forward, spinning wheels that shoot it forward or, or not a drop. Um, it has an engine, an electric engine on the ride vehicle itself. And can we have control over that engine? Can we? Can the driver, you know, of the ride vehicle? Can they control their speed? Can there be moments of interaction and, and feedback? And you know, can we make this a truly interactive experience where the rider has more control? Um, and and then that's when I get really excited.
0: Mm. And how do you imagine just um, talking through this a little bit more that the rider might be involved in controlling that experience? Um, what are you thinking about right now in that in that context?
1: Well, you always have to keep your. your
0: So I, you'll say your
1: throughput. Throughput is the number of guests that move through a ride in an, in an hour, uh, you know, or whatever. Just keep everybody moving. So if you can speed up and slow down, does that mean the ride vehicle behind you is going to crash into you? Well, no, because you have to have like a maximum speed so you don't die, and you have to have a minimum speed so that you don't stop. So, but within that, that, that envelope of lowest speed and top speed, uh, at the start of the ride, could there, could there be a countdown and what's your reaction mm. time to hitting the throttle? And, you know, and can we have two, can we have two ride vehicles side by side on two tracks and now you're racing the other ride vehicle. And is there a braking zone where, you know, you, how can how late can you break? Did you hit it at the right time as you go through that turn? And can you go at maximum speed? You know through a foggy embankment where you don't know what's going to happen, and you know or are you chicken? And you know so h- how can you make that experience? And and you've got, got a screen in front of you. You could track your stats. You've got an RFID bracelet on your wrist that you could download to. Is, are you on a team? Or, or Are you coming back and trying to do better than last time? Or, you know, there's, there's, is there an app on your phone? There's a whole world of scenarios to make that a richer experience.
0: Yeah, it's really sounding like um, you're taking it from just a pure thrill uh, to almost like engineering in moments of uncertainty that leave you wondering what's going to happen next.
1: Yeah, trying to keep, keep it open and unscripted.
0: That's fantastic. How do you know what ride systems to use and where to place them amongst the greater theme park and the attractions that you're trying to create?
1: Well, you saw the ride list from, we talked about that ride list from the, in a previous question of all the different ride types. So there's, each one has a a footprint, you know, how big it is. Uh, Each one has a cost associated with it. And each one has a number of people that Would potentially be able to go on it per hour and you're you're working with your 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 ride mix you know they can't all be the same uh you know in a theme here let's a typical theme park has four zones let's say and those themed zones or lands or whatever you want to call them maybe there's four rides in each one of them so there's a hierarchy of rides within each of those lands or zones there's like an e-ticket it's a big fancy ride that's Disney terminology big e-ticket like a big, big fancy like a dark ride or a big coaster costs the most money has the most people going through it, but you've got three other ones. Is there, is there like a something? If that's too extreme for for everyone, is there a ride that's a little bit more chill? You could maybe have kids and, and people who don't want that kind of experience. Is there is there an indoor ride and, a, and an outdoor ride? Is you know does one have some water in it so that maybe if you're hot or you know so different scales of rides, different costs, different footprints, and that's your ride mix. You know, is one of them big and tall so that you can make a visual icon so that it assists with guest circulation, so they know where they're supposed to go. Is it assisting mm. with, is it assisting with the flow? Where's the entrance and the exit? Where do you want people to be? What do you want them to go past on their way to the thing that you know they're going to want to do? You know, if while you're waiting for someone to come out of one ride, can you can you be in line for another one? So it's this complicated matrix that has to do with that whole land assembly and and how it's all going to work together.
0: Well, this has been huge, but everything good must come to an end. If you liked this episode and want to hear more, you can get the goods on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast network or listening app. Thank you for listening. Until next time, this is Mike signing off.